We are recording. And we have new microphones. So hopefully we sound better and you don't have to turn your car stereo up to like... All the way? 20. <laughs> I don't know how high they go anymore. I don't Just know if your laughing way. is going to be a problem, Sadie. Oh no, because I laugh so... Like, it has such hard sounds in it. I'll try to dump it down. Because yours like went off the charts. Oh, my voice just did too. Okay, so yeah, if this is way louder than anything else. We're trying to figure out how to use the new microphone still. How to produce the best. Yeah. Um, do we have any banta? <sighs> oh, so I started this podcasting class for college. <laughs> and apparently we have to make a podcast episode like every week. For like the class? For the class. So you're just going to use this. And she's going to grade them, so... That might be good for us, though. I know. Well, I mean, we're trying to do it weekly, and we've been doing good, as long as we can get this edited tonight. But anyway, so I have... We have to do... Well, I have to do, which I might as well just do it on my actual podcast, is stuff for this class. So there might be some, you know, different setups from time to time. To do whatever yeah, you need so to it do. might sound weird just because I have to do what the teacher tells me to do. But you know, two birds, one stone. But down. you know, here we are. And also, there's what like ten ten listeners out there. So, and we love every one of them. <laughs> well, we would love you more if you would follow Tell us. Tell your friends. That's how most podcasts get people. Rate is and review and subscribe friends. and. Yeah, maybe, like, buy a billboard for us or something. <laughs> no. no. That's too much. That's too much. No, I saw I saw a bus bench that said, advertise here the other day, and I was like... But maybe. I wonder how much that is. It's, it's probably, anymore. like, 250 bucks. You know, that might not even be bad because a lot of people who ride the bus are listening to stuff on their phones. That's true. Like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> we'll think maybe. about it. Maybe. Few other things Catch that us have to on be one first. single bus bench in the St. Louis area. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we have any other banter? Oh, we finally moved into our house. Yay. Feels like we're just renting. It's very strange. The dogs love it. They have a yard that they get to run around and play that's in, so, so cute. that's good. Um, that's about all that's new with me. Ooh, we um maybe this is interesting, maybe it's not. I don't know. Okay, so one thing I was thinking about yesterday this is a separate thing we'll get to what i was going to go to was we almost never talk about ourselves uh-huh. in the sense of like who we are as people we just talk about like weird random life events yeah that have happened recently have we ever said what we like what i do probably not because like i know you talk about being a bartender enough that it's obvious you're a bartender yeah but i almost never well, talk i don't about even work. know if i talk about me being a bartender i think people probably just think i work at a restaurant well you're a bartender uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a bar manager. That's You're both. But that's that's what made me think, because I was thinking about what happened last week at work. And I was like, I don't know if anybody knows what I do. I might have, like, briefly mentioned it in passing at one point. Yeah, so tell us what you but do. But it's like, okay, so I'm an archaeologist. Like a so she's a college dropout. Archaeologist. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually lying. That's not her. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we were doing a project. Um... Over in Illinois in the Cahokia area. Uh-huh. Like, if you stand on top of Cahokia Mounds, you could see the field we're working in. Yeah. And 
these people are like pre-serving it before they sell it like the land is currently for sale they just want to be like oh and here are essentially like the the easements that are on it but like you know the archaeological sites yeah because it's a problem in collinsville (laughs) that's a big enough place that i'm not specifying anything yeah um but we're we're in this field and you know we we go out we we go out there and survey it first we like walk through it and you know find the little things right yeah we come back i i have to do the research on the sites that have already been identified in it right <laughs> i go and i'm like I, okay i need the pdf for this the pdf is not online it's one page all the other pdfs have been online there's some of them are like you know 50 to 100 pages these mm-hmm. pdfs for the the site surveys this one is just the one title page i'm like oh no one, I need more information than that. But the real problem was I recognize the title page, which means this site is significant enough that dad owns the actual report. And I own a copy, too, because he had two of them. And I was like, crap, 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 crap. <laughs> I'm like, so if I have one at home somewhere, like literally in this yeah. house, like in our parents' house, yeah. it's not with me in the apartment. That'd be insane. Um, I know dad has a one. There has to be one here at the office, right? Because, like, they have a whole bunch, whole library yeah. of resources for us. I go upstairs. <clears throat> I find it. It is 700 pages long. Ew. It is 700 pages long, and they've only removed a fourth of the site when they did it. The other fourth, the other three-fourths, intact. <laughs> All three-fourths of that are within our project area. I'm like, oh, my gosh. How did they write 700 pages? What is it about? That's how much stuff they found. We found one nail. No, Audrey, they found... Thousands upon thousands of artifacts. Nails. They found, um, you know, like it's it, the whole all square headed nails. The whole They're village old. site is there. Like all of the little post holes for little buildings and all that. Jeez. I was like, good night. So I look up the second one because there's two sites that are already yeah. like, right, pre-identified. Same problem again. It's the whole report is not online. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I search the the like the common name of it because the numbers they they all have special you know science numbers. So the people in charge you can keep tabs of everything is naming everything you know the smith site gets really annoying yeah easier to number them so i I look up the smith site version of the of the place yeah i'm like oh gosh okay so i find it i find a free version of the pdf online this one's only 300 pages not as bad um it's still just like barely even a fourth of the site that they did and i'm scrolling through just just the table of contents at first just to see because i'm looking for like Keywords, what they did, like yeah. how much they took out, which parts are still intact and which ones aren't. Or is it, you know, did they remove our half of it or is it just the portion that has a road in it now? Yeah. There are human remains <laughs> listed in the table of contents. Nice. <laughs> so now we have this... Like, this this one site that will have literally so much information with it. And the second site that as soon as we find a human tooth, we're done. <laughs> we don't get to dig anymore. No one gets to do anything there. I mean, there's already too much stuff there to think you could be able to. Oh, yeah. No, what they should do is just not build on that half no. of the property. Yeah. Because it's literally half of the property has stuff. The other half does not. You know? The smart thing would be just to not do anything. But and here's the thing. People aren't smart. No, they want to use all the land. For what? A freaking parking lot? Absolutely. Well, the thing is, I'm pretty sure they could put a parking lot over the sites as long as they put the appropriate protective layers on top of it first, but they cannot dig down. 
Yeah. Is how I understand how that works. Like, that's I've never had to do the preservation portion of this work yet. Still too new to it. Well, this will be your time, apparently. (laughs) I was thinking that was... Friday was a whirlwind because I came downstairs with that 700-page report and just slammed it down on a desk like you do to wake up kids in high school. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, what the heck? I hope this podcasting class actually teaches me something and doesn't make me, like, not want to do any homework because I enjoy doing this podcast on our own. Mm Mm-hmm. But all the work we're having to do already, like, we had to listen to a podcast about news. Why? We had to listen to one about news, one about science, and one about education. But most podcasts that I interact with are not those things. Exactly. They're, they're um... The reason for it... Here, here, let me pull it up on Canvas. <laughs> and, I'm like, who's like, yeah, I want to listen to the news to get, you know, more depressed than I already am. It's my idea of fun. Okay, let's see. So the objective was to analyze current industry trends based on current and historical data and research. For listening to those things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even in my... And then you had to write 300 pages on a review. So, of course, I That's hate so science. Wait, and I hate... 300 words? Huh? You said 300 pages? 300 words. Okay. <laughs> I think I said words twice, but I think you heard pages because you said 300 pages earlier. No, that's true. Or I said it wrong and I just didn't realize. Anyway. You know, one of us is going crazy. It's okay. Yes. Probably both of us. Yes, most likely. But, so then you had to write 300 to 500 word, like, reviews Mm -hmm. and, like, say, like, what it was about, what you would do differently if it was your podcast, all this other stuff. And I was, yeah, I was like, (laughs) so last night I was literally Googling, um... Most interesting and short news podcasts for 20-something-year-olds. And then the other one was the same for science, because I... Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to listen to that. Unless it's Bill Nye, which I'm sure he has a podcast, <gasps> most likely. Does he? I didn't look it up, but I found one that's called 60-Second Science, and I was like, that's the one for me. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, so I listened to a news one that was horribly boring. But for the news one, in my little review, I was like, well, I don't actually listen to the news in my free time ever, regardless, podcast or not. So mm-hmm. that's what I would change, is it would be a different topic. <laughs> the podcast would not be about the news. <laughs> yep. I guess what I was saying is that I have to do podcasts for my class. That was the moral of that story, because I just kind of stopped talking about it. So maybe I'll have to add music or something, or... Like weird. make a fake ad or something. I bet that'll be part of it. Just just uses the little tiny ad that we had that that we filmed using yeah. the microphone on your computer, <laughs> which was better than our old microphones. Um, yeah, podcasting class. Taking that, so I don't know what it will entail, but I have to make an episode every week for it. So for those episodes, I'm also just gonna upload that. And I think the first one's going to be a, a little shorter, because it has it. to be, like, 40 minutes. Yeah, it's between 20 and 40 for the assignments. Yeah, assignment. but I don't know if that'll continue for the other ones. I haven't looked into the future assignments. Because we so. can, I, I mean, we can work with that. Yeah. Well, because some, we've had, like, some 30-minute episodes, and we've had some <laughs> hour and a half. Hour and a half. <laughs> you never know. And I like that. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I, that's, I have no issue with ones that are, like, short, like, to 
always within a certain time range. Yeah. But I just put this in the <laughs> oh eye. my gosh. <laughs> but, it, but I'm, I'm also you just as so happy. Horrified. <laughs> I'm also just as happy when, like, they're like, surprise, this one's weirdly long. Yeah. No, that's, like, because one of the things was, like, how is your podcast going to be different from other ones? There's so many podcasts out there that cover every subject and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it doesn't, you know what? It doesn't have to be different than anybody else's. You can do the exact same thing as somebody else's as long as you're not saying what they said word for word. No, exactly. And it's like, the difference is you're doing it. Not not them. them. It's going, you're going they don't to spin have my it name. ever so slightly different. You have different life experiences that you're going to add to things. That's why I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. If she hears this, you know what? Change your material, bro. Because that's dumb. Trying to make someone feel not special for just being them and being like, well, somebody else already did that. So how is yours going to be better? I was like, the, maybe the it's same not going to be better. That I can listen to three of the same subject matter, yes. even if they include the same three subjects, because yeah. I like the people talking the about it. The stories are always a little bit different. They have different, you people know. People research differently. People yeah. think stuff is important and other stuff isn't, so they cut it out mm-hmm. or they leave it in. <sighs> Maybe I should teach this class. You say that about most of your classes. Because I could. <laughs> to be fair, the amount of classes that I've looked at that you've taken absolutely That's anybody can right. teach them better than the teachers yeah they, yeah yeah they put in no effort well because they plagiarize That's... other teachers work yes. can you believe that but i'll and get don't expelled even if i plagiarize <laughs> don't even God try to forbid okay go okay so mine's an accidental two stories because when i was researching the first story i came like the newspaper i was looking at that the, the the news, if the story, we have the same story, minor true crime, are yours true crime? A little bit. What are yours? <laughs> what are yours? Hold on, I'll tell you what mine are <laughs> since I'm going first. So I have Francis Lacey. Nope. Okay. I also have the Dickerson children. Nope. Okay. Great. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, okay. is this going to be an hour and a half long episode? <laughs> no, they're both little stories. That's why I didn't feel bad about. Okay. Okay. Good. That but, mine was one was little. I think they're both a little bit little. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, and I didn't tell you anything about what I was doing. No, you didn't not tell at me all. anything about yours because we try to keep it a secret. It's more fun that way. No, but when I was surprised, I was reading a, like an old timey newspaper of like you know when it actually happened. Yeah, you know the events on the news. She was on the front page, but she wasn't the front page story. That's funny. So I went up. I was like, "What is this front page? Story? What is this other like, one?" I was like, "This is weird." So what a coinkydink. So, uh, my first story is Francis Lacey. My okay. sources are Wikipedia, newspapers.com, worthpoint.com, and genesispark.com. And that is for both of my stories. I did not separate yeah. out my That's sources. how I did mine. Um, that was too much thinking. <laughs> so, on July 24th, 1960, the rich widow, Francis Lacey, left where she had been staying. You uh, said 1960, and I was like, yeah, wow, 1960. so long ago. And then I'm, I'm like, sorry. wait a minute, the 60s. <laughs> I, I, my brain stopped working. So anyway, Francis <laughs> No, Lacey. you didn't say it weird. I was just like, so long. That's so... Oh. I was like thinking, I guess, 1860. I was like, okay, okay, I'm trying to picture it. <laughs> so she left where she was staying at what is now the Murray Hotel on Mackinac Island in Michigan. Um, you want to know something really funny? Right. I was going to do the Mackinac Island Ghosts. Uh-huh. There is nothing you can find online. That's why I didn't do them. There is one single book 
by this one man. Oh, and he's on court? a diff- couple different podcasts. No, about like oh. three different locations. Oh. So I was trying, because there's no way I can read a whole book in the amount, you know, a week. Yeah. So I was trying so hard to get a bunch of notes from these podcasts and all this other stuff. And I was like, this is just taking so long. And I'm trying to rush notes. So I'm just going to save it and do it later. Because I have yeah. notes already done. Yeah. Well, that's... But I was like, I'm, I do that. might as well just like read the book at this point and just do it in like a month or two mm-hmm. or something. Because I was like, I want to get what he's saying because it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like his story about everything is interesting. It's almost like a Zach Bagans origin that, story. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, funny story. So, yeah, no, she was staying at what is now the Murray Hotel on Mackinac Island. Um, she was walking to cabins where her relatives or friends. She was going to get the fudge. That... <laughs> I don't know how many fudge factories there were in 1960. I don't know when those all I took some notes. About. I think they were before 1960. I know they were there. I don't know if all 23 or whatever it is of them are there. Let's see. Um, anyway, so <laughs> they, were, my notes. they were staying over at uh, British Landing in this cabin. That's where she... So she's walking to British Landing. Um, and she never makes it. Never oh, makes it to the wait, cabin. Wait, on Mackinac Island? Yes. On Mackinac Island. This is which, intriguing. Which, if you don't know... What Mackinac Island is is an island that has no Fudge. cars. <laughs> it has it has no cars. You can use horses, you can walk, you can use bicycles, but you can't have cars. Um, it's the just only cars on there are, I think, ambulances and like two fire trucks. I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. And to get there, you can take your own boat. You can fly. There's an airport. Um, you can try to swim. You'll probably die. Or <laughs> yeah, because I think it's like five miles. It's, it's quite at far least away five from miles land. from like the mainland. Or area. Um, or there's a ferry, so there's there's extremely limited means of getting on and off this island. So that's why I was like, ah, I know there's bad things that have happened there, and I want to go like find a story from there, and I'm happy I did. Um, so she never shows up. So large search party is organized, um, which included bloodhounds and skin divers. Not what is divers. that? Skin divers are snorkelers who hold their breath to dive down to better observe so things underwater. So free divers? Free divers, yes. Um, I have never heard skin divers ever. That is the scariest was, sounding thing. I had to look it up. It was too like weird. Not What's to your hobby? Them. Oh, I'm, I'm a, a skin, skin diver. diver. <laughs> Get out of here. No. So hundred, hundreds of tips were called in, including one saying a suspicious looking man was seen running around the island with blood on his shirt. Oh. Um, her purse was found first, then her shoes, and finally, five days after she went missing, her body was found somewhere between Stonecliff Mansion and the Devil's Kitchen on what was then, and maybe still is, I'm unsure about this, MRA property. And so now MRA. we're going to do... Do you know what MRA is? Yeah. The, the Moral Rearmament? Yes. Cult? Why, why do you know what that is? Because I was going to cover this freaking island. Now I'm so mad that I didn't, but it wouldn't have been as good as if I actually took the time okay. to, like, read so the book. So then I have, like, uh, the babyest description of what the MRE is, so it, like, means if something. If you don't, I got a long one. <laughs> so that way you can still cover it later. So Well, I'm not covering that. No, I know, I'm covering but... paranormal for it, yeah. but it's a part of it. I was like, wait, well, you know what that is? Oh, I know everything. So anyway, the, the moral rearmament is essentially a cult yes. that was extremely influential after World War II, especially. It existed pre that, mm-hmm. but that's not, the point is not to give you a long story about the re, the moral rearmament. 
So, like, world leaders like King Mohammed V of Morocco, uh, like, publicly thanked the founder about what the MRA had done for Morocco during their transition to independence. The Australian Minister of Education openly said he was, like, a part of it. The Archbishop, um, Makarios III, I don't know how to say that, um, who was regarded by, uh, Greek Cypriots, so Greek citizens of Cyprus, as the father of the nation of Cyprus, like, was, like, vocally a part of it. And then the vice president of Cyprus was also, um, like, publicly supported the MRA. So, like, it had a lot to do with the independence movements that happened right after World War II ended. Yeah. It, it influenced did you say anything about what they, like, did? No, not specific. That's that's it. I'm just saying it was like a, a really well because I want to see so I can like... <laughs> That's it. That's all I'm saying about them. I just want to say like what they their like mission thing was. So in my notes, I said that they wanted to create a group that would help bring morals back to society and help people who were suffering from the war. So that's basically yeah no because it was it what was they said they were doing a response to the rearmament of Europe. Yeah. Like the military rearmament. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we should have a moral one because that's yes. how you really change things. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying they're all bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's what they said they did. Yeah. And they seem to have, like, some positive influence in the world, but also, like... But anybody that some starts are some really kind of group... Some people Anyone that starts some kind of group like that, can't trust them. When I'm like, they're, they're not... Everything they do will be good. Yeah. Well, Especially when they're that big. <laughs> Yeah. And people use it as reasons to do bad things. Yes. As well. Like anyway. launder money and kill people. Back to Francis Lacey. Okay. I guess that's the fine. The rich widow from Dearborn, Michigan. Dearborn. Dearborn's an uh, interesting place that I have been. Well, it's a weird name. <laughs> um, So she had been raped, robbed, and murdered. Nice. Mm-hmm. Suspects ranged from a nude English sunbather vacationing on the island. <laughs> he to, didn't. To eventually. That's why he had a shirt on. <laughs> like, like not right away, but like after they had, had yeah. so many dead ends, eventually they thought it might have been the serial killer Hugh Bion, Bion Morse. Hmm. Hugh Bion Morse, who had was caught October 13th, 1961, so he was out and active yeah. during this time frame, so it could have been him. Open I don't know what it. his, uh... I don't, I never heard, heard of him. Anyway. I feel like I might have, but don't actually know anything about him. I... Like, I don't know what his means and method of yeah serial killing was to know mm-hmm. if that sounds right for him. So, March of the same year, three women had been bludgeoned to death at Starved Rock State Park near Chicago, which is a story I Ah. intend on covering a different day, because why not? Yeah, it's a good Um, one. But they thought that her death might be connected to whoever did that to those women, because they're about, they were, it was middle-aged women who were killed at Starved Rock, and this is a middle-aged woman here. Maybe it's a middle-aged woman serial killer. There's rocks around on the island. (laughs) These are vacation spots. (laughs) Anywho, so I'll cover that one eventually. Um, so what is crazy is the case was never solved, despite <gasps> the fact that the killer could so... still be alive today. That is true. Absolutely could be. Well, because it's um, not 1860 like I thought. <laughs> nope, 1960. <laughs> but it's like, again, it's the means of getting on and off the island are so limited that like, you think somebody... He's still living there. I was like, he lived there all along. That's why they didn't find him. Day. 
Well, you know, it makes more sense. You don't get caught on an island that you live on and you know the ins and outs and nobody exactly. else does. Mackinac, watch out. There's a killer among you. But as it is like a massive tourist destination, like people are on and off that island every day. And All it's not the time. The same it's like a railroad town. But it, it makes it harder to figure out which people are actually there? suspicious. Yeah. No, but like who you, it's like, oh yeah, I saw a suspicious person. It's like, no, you saw a foreigner and were confused. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the nude English sunbather. That cracks me up. It's like, no, that's not no, a murderer. No, he's just enjoying he's sun because there's never any sun everywhere. where he is. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but like, And that definitely helped us to why this murder wasn't solved. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's that's how we get to me trying to find more details about this. Like, did they ever get any more details? Yeah, did they have any good leads that's... that were, like, really almost solid no, they, they and they didn't, didn't work they out? they never did. But that's that's when I found the story of the Dickerson children as like the front page thing, and she was a little side yeah. note down in the corner. Um, so the Dickerson children were now done with Frances Lacey. We know nothing about what happened to her to this day. Very upsetting. So the Dickerson children. Um, this this is the July thirtieth, nineteen sixty issue of the Detroit Free Press front page story, is of the Dickerson children. That it is. Um, 13-year-old Glenda, 15-year-old Gordon, and 16-year-old Constance. Man, I thought they were all going to be G names. I'm sorry. <laughs> had been kept hidden by their mother from the world for the last 11 years. Like, that's, like, the big, like, hidden children. It's like that one family. The Turpins? I think it's the Turpin family were all hidden. They, like, could they only had, like, play around at night. They had, kids or something. They had 13 kids, I think. Yeah. It's no different <laughs> to me, honestly. Anyway, so... The Thursday before the article had been published, their mother left to go to a dentist appointment. You know, using that. And then Gordon uses this chance, this opening. He knows she's going to be gone for a certain amount of time to escape the house and go to the neighbor's home for help. Like the Turpin girl did. Yeah. Um, this was the first time he had left the house since he was four years old. Um, he had very few memories of the outside world because of that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the neighbor called the police, because if I would, if a random kid came out to my door, I was like, yeah, so I'm being locked, and so are my siblings up in my house, like, help. Yeah, I'd be like, um, okay. <laughs> so the, the police are called to help the other imprisoned siblings. So this imprisonment started 11 years ago when their mother, Shirley Leach, lied to her landlord, saying that they only had three children, when in reality she had six um, and they were only allowed, to, they were not allowed to have three kids, six kids in the house. That was too many kids. <laughs> yeah. Which is a rule that there still exists today for yeah. uh, many apartments. Well, so, it should, having that many people in there. In one small space, like, that's just not good. So she and her second husband, Donald Leach, were unable to find a place to rent that would accept six kids. Because I get that. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> so kids are dirty. They destroy your house. They're loud. Sticky. Yep. <laughs> They're always sticky. So their ruse, like the parents' ruse, was so successful that friends who visited the home even thought they only had three kids. They, they weren't even did real not friends know the other then, kids were because this is... Um, or was she like... Were these like the youngest kids? Yes. Okay, that the makes more sense. Three. So, um, 
like like the family like friends would be over and all the while the three youngest children would be upstairs quietly playing and staying away from the windows on the second floor of the home why'd the other kids never say anything told not to so they didn't they don't want to lose the house do you want to be homeless that's uh, all you have to tell your kids do you want to be homeless i'd be like mm, yeah living with you isn't great so <laughs> um so even after they moved out of their restrictive flat they still kept the kids a secret that's what i'm which saying which is what made Sadie. me so so uncomfortable with the story i was like why would you um so Leach said that she would take them out at night sometimes for short rides in the car, and sometimes they'd be allowed to play in the backyard during the most quiet hours of the night, so like, you know, 3 a.m. <laughs> you can go outside and play now, <laughs> since no one else Jeez. is awake in the neighborhood. Yeah, wake um, everybody else up. <laughs> well, clearly these children are pros at being yes, quiet, quiet when they play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they definitely are not screamers. <laughs> So the leeches claim they imprisoned their children, not for themselves, but for the children's best interests, because all three were born with deformities, which is, is true. Like, um, I'll send you the photos because they're hard to find when yeah. you post the things, but they are, um, they, they definitely have some sort of congenital situation happening. I don't know what, no one... I mean, I guess it was the 60s, so you could get away with that excuse. So when the police arrive at the home... Glenda attempts to stand on her two thin legs and slumps to the floor. She weighed just 29 pounds. Glenda's the 13-year-old. Jeez. 29 pounds? Aubrey weighs um, more than that, and she's skin and bones. <laughs> How is she living? We'll get there. She stammered to the point of being nearly incoherent and would tight she tightly clutch her doll while just staring at you with her real big round eyes. Oh, that's terrifying. Um... Gordon Constance looked half their age. Remember, Constance is 16 and Gordon is 15. So Gordon was described as having wane delicate features, the body of a six to seven year old, um, a high pitched voice, a high pitched squeaky voice, um, and he had a great love for baseball. <laughs> Constance also had difficulty holding a normal conversation like Greta or Glenda, sorry. So Constance also had difficulty holding a normal conversation and would but squeal in delight at the idea of ice cream and dolls in the hospital ward. Me too, girl. Um, <laughs> so the hospital assessed the children and came to the conclusion that they had been appropriately fed and kept clean. Um, like, in fact, when the police arrived at the house, the children had been clean and well-dressed. And, like, it was at, with no warning. They just showed up and they were just clean and yeah. in nice clothes. The police noted that the house was well-stocked with food. Um, there were toys all over the place. A TV, a radio, lots of books. But it was, like, a clean house. It wasn't, like, a hoarder house. Cause yeah. Did you ever look into the Turpin case? No. Where, like, the house was, like, a hoarder house. No. The mom would buy toys and clothing that she would not share with the kids. Those were for her. They could not have it. This is not the case here. These children have all the clean clothes they need. They have all of the toys that they could want. They have all of the entertainment that could be possibly provided for them in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, already a better situation than that. Yeah. <laughs> They're not chained to beds either. So, on October 2nd, 1960, this is the next news article. So, everything I said before was the first news article. Yeah. Um, when this is sensational, they don't know what's happening news, right? Like, like kids in prison for 11 years. Yeah. 
So the next news article on October 2nd of 1960, this is like the let's get back with these children that were locked up for 11 years. Don't you want to know what happened? So the children reunited with their mother after spending months in the hospital where doctors studied their puny bodies. This is quote, (laughs) quote, doctors studied their puny bodies and probed their minds for scars left by their long confinement. I hope that means therapy and not opening their brain. No, definitely meant like talking to them, not opening. Their well, brain. it's the 60s. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's still there's still a lot like of questionable things that were happening. Um, it was determined that the children were mentally disabled and had some genetic physical abnormalities that contributed to their small size. So, Glenda being 29 pounds and having not a lot of muscle mass in her legs is because. She physically can't grow it. She can't be bigger. Not okay. because she's not being taken care of. Um, so whatever co- congenital issue these children have is most likely something that would have been diagnosed now very easily. Yeah. They could have gotten, you know, more help. <laughs> yeah. Just just more resources for them. So she didn't feel like she had to hide these kids because she didn't know what to do with them. She couldn't send them to school. I mean, you could take them to a hospital or something. This is still like... the land of the audience. This is when you put kids in institutions. Yeah, I guess. So social workers started to regularly check up on the kids once they went home. Um, and that's the last that there is reported on the kids. Because uh, the first article was so sensational. The second article was like, and then they went home and they're happy and they're healthy and their parents love them. And the only questionable thing is them keeping them hidden that long yeah <laughs> like but but then again it's it's the 60s the they would have been heavily made fun of and it would have been acceptable basically socially speaking uh shouldn't were they getting schooling at all they can read they can all read oh okay um but she she did the best she could by them for the time i would think for what she had the resources to do without having them taken away and put into an asylum. Oh, also, they're in Canada. I don't know how that changes things. I know it's supposed to be Michigan, but this was the front page of the Detroit newspaper. Yeah. And they lived in the portion of Canada that's right across the Well, river. Canada's worse about stuff like that, I bet. Um, With from, how Canada dealt with Native Americans? I assume that they... They did I feel like they probably do yeah. the same kind of thing for people. I, I don't know for like sure, that. but it makes me worried yeah. for them. But like, you know, like Detroit's on the border of the United States and yeah. Canada. They lived on the other side of yeah. the river in Canada right there. That's why it's in the Detroit newspaper. Yeah. Um, So who went and got help? The boy. The boy who can talk. Why did he well, go get help then? I think he was tired of having nobody to talk about baseball to. Oh. <laughs> He just, so sad. I think I think they all decided they needed a little bit more stimulation than what they were getting because they were just they're getting older. Even yeah. if they're um because like relatively speaking, they had definitely had like um developmental delays and such, yeah. but they weren't dumb. Yeah. They were like they were aware of the world, they interacted with the world, they had interests, they they wanted to interact with others, yeah. they knew other people existed, they wanted friends. Which is like it's it's fair. And she got him back, and you never hear about him again, so it must have gone well, because they had a regular social service meeting yeah. after that. Um, one thing I did find, though, is that there's there's this book called Methuselah's Secret by Art Brown, 
and he used the children as an example of how to live forever because you know like in in like the early bible people were living for 900 years like that's how it's translated yeah i don't think it literally means that i think it means something else and we just translated it weird but not everybody does and that's okay um anyway so his book is about how do we get to live that long again like clearly there are secrets and his idea was that because these children looked so young clearly they didn't age because they were they were kept in you know the house and in the dark yeah. they didn't go out and play in the sun that their lack of uv radiation is what did that like their lack of exposure to the sun is what kept them so young I mean, it does help your skin and not age, but no, yeah, your insides. But his his whole theory was that exposure to UV radiation or the lack of exposure up to UV yes. radiation could lengthen lives. So like, just don't go in the sun. So live under a rock like Patrick Star, uh huh, and you will live, and live forever. forever. Yeah, that you know, hey, 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 vampires did that. <laughs> that's true vampires can't go into the i'm pretty sure they're immortal or something like that so he might have been on something <laughs> if you just never see the sun you'll live forever if you hibernate or wait no if you're nocturnal <laughs> nocturnal yes hibernate equals no sunlight <laughs> Okay. So those those are my two stories. One, very unfortunate. We don't know who murdered her. They're both pretty unfortunate. What well, do you mean? I'm com- in the entire time in my mind, I was thinking this would turn out like the Turpin children, yeah. and then it turned out no. Their mother was just trying their her darndest to like not have these children live know, a life of like sad. ridicule. Well, they they got everything they needed after that. Yeah. They got to go out in the sun and meet people. Hopefully. I, I think they had to, as per their, like, social worker situation. Yeah. Man, I would hope so. Yeah, whereas it's like, oh, I really thought this was going to be a much more terrible story than it was when I was reading into it. I was like, oh. So did the newspaper. Oh, no, exactly. That was my favorite part about it, is when I got to the second one, I was like, oh, the newspaper has to be disappointed that this didn't go they further. They are like, do we have to do a checkup? I really don't want to. Yeah, the second. Do we have to print this? So remember how the first one was on the first yeah. page, the second one? 30th page. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I man. thought that was so funny. Okay, so now we're on to my twofer because I also did something kind of similar. Um, So the main thing that I did, like, the actual beginning research for was the Calament Theater. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's C-A-L-U-M-E-T. Calament? No clue. Calament seems right to me, so that's what we're going to go with. Um, Because what else would you say? Calument? That sounds wrong. Exactly. Calament. Theater. So I got my information from calumettheater.com, prosportsextra.com, Wikipedia, awesomemitten.com. I like that. Love that. Name. <laughs> UpperMichiganSource.com. Um, mlive.com and Kawina report.com. No clue. Kawina. K A W E E N A W. N E W? N A W. N A Kawina. Kawina? Kawina. 
report? Sure. You tried. Can we not report? Okay. So, dot com. Um, so, we're going to start out with the history, as always. So, they kept calling this the village of Calumet. Is that how I was saying it before? Calumet? I think so. I think so. Um, it's Calumet. Calumet like in Michigan? Yeah, there's definitely French Canadians up there. Okay, maybe. Well, now I just sound ignorant. Well, you know what? I am because I don't know how to say it and I'm sorry. <sighs> so, <laughs> <laughs> the village of Calumet, Calumet was incorporated. They kept calling it the village, which then I had to Google multiple times to make sure this was in America and in Michigan that I knew. Because I was like, the village? Why do they keep calling it that? But so they said the village of Calumet. Calumet was incorporated in 1875 when it was the center of the copper mining industry in North America. When the community began to grow, they built a town hall in 1886 and in 1898, with a huge surplus in the treasury, they decided that an opera house was needed to serve the community. Oh, of course. Because... Necessity, Audrey. You know, copper miners love the opera. Copper miners who only eat those in the UP. They have these like, like pasties. I think they're called pasties, but they <laughs> they have like turnips and beef in them. Sometimes Stop they have it. potatoes and beef. But you get them everywhere though, because they're like the tourist food to get. Because they're the old miner food. Like that's what they would bring their little like you know. They're potatoes like, um, and beef, fine. They're turnips, like a no. Giant empanada. I think I know what you're talking about. Um. <laughs> They could be so good, but every single one I had was so bland. Like, they didn't know yes. what pepper was or it's minor salt. Food. But they don't have to make them that way now. They can make them tasty. No, because it's minor food. You have to have what they had. <sighs> I don't want what they had. <laughs> Too bad. Anyway. So, at the time, the town had a population of about 4,000, but... It says more than 30,000 live within walking distance. And I put in my notes, I'm not sure if walking distance was the same back then. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, walking distance? I was like, I don't think you mean like a nice 10 minute walk and you're in town. I was like, I don't. I think they mean a day's drive. I know. I'm like, I don't know if this is what they mean. But anyway, so that's what it says in the notes anyway. So, the theater opened on March 20th, 1900. Great. Is that how you say it? 1900? Because normally it's 1901. What do you say? 1900? Is that yeah. right? What, I don't what like would you that. Call, what would you say instead? 1900. One, <laughs> 1,900. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> March 20th, 1,900. <laughs> With the touring Broadway production of Reginald Decavins, The Highwaymen. Fun. You know, here's don't the know thing. I don't is. know how to pronounce names. And, you know, here we are. Um, so in the following years, the theater had a long list of famous people perform there. And I think I only recognize one name off of this list, if I'm being for real. Um, Madame Helena Majeska. Lillian Russell, John Philip Sousa, I know that name. Who is that? Don't know why, but I know it. Sarah Bernhard, Bernhard, there's a T on the end and I'm not pronouncing it well. Douglas Fairbanks Sr., a lot of seniors are on this list. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> um, Lon Cheney Sr. Jason Robard Sr. James O'Neill. William S. Hart. Frank Morgan. And Wallace and Noah Beery. Um, clearly I don't know any of those names. <laughs> Not in the... <laughs> That's why I'm saying them so high-pitched when I end. Yes. <laughs> so, but with the decline of copper mining and the local economy and the rise in motion pictures, stage performances began um, to become less popular and in the late 1920s, um, from the Depression through the late... 1950s, the theater became almost exclusively a movie theater. Hold on, do you know why you know the name John Philip Sousa? Why? Because he invented the sousaphone, which is uh, more commonly known as the tuba. That's why I know it. I was going to say, I, I literally was going to say, no, I know the name, like the full name. I was like, I think I heard it in, in like band or yeah, something. Yeah, you were in band. I wasn't. Um, only from, like, what, 6th to 8th grade or whatever that was? Still more than me. Um. Well, now I feel dumb. Why? But also, why would I know that? You know John Philip <laughs> You knew the name. I did. I, I wrote it down and name. I was like, I know John Philip Sousa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, him. Um. <laughs> so, summer stock returned in 1958. I don't know what that is. I'm... It, it said it like everybody knows what it is. This is stuff that was on the theater's, like, actual website about their history. I don't know if it's a band. I don't know if it's a play. I don't know. Maybe it's a beer. I don't know. You know? <laughs> I doubt it's a beer, but it could oh, be. Oh, it's, it's, um, theater productions that only happen during the summer, like a muni. Summer stock. Okay. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. And I'm now even so sound that's why dumber. It's re- that's why it's returning. It's, it's just now I sound dumber. summer. But it up. returned in 1958 and ran for nearly 10 years, which I, if it's only in the summer, then it was 10 summers. Yeah. Um, and then came back under the, the auspices of Michigan State University in 1972. So that's the, they, so the support, the yes. patronage. No, whenever I first read it, I was like, what foreign language is this? And then I was like, oh, I get what it means, but uh-huh. I couldn't tell you the definition of that word. Um, so the auditorium was renovated for the village's centennial in 1975, and the exterior was restored in 1988 to 1989. Today, the theater annually hosts 55 to 65 events with them. a total attendance of nearly 18,000. Nearly all of the performing arts... Um, the nearly all the per- performing arts displays are represented, including symphony, folk music, jazz, opera, theater, dance, and community events, as well as public meetings and guided tours. So, the Calumet, Calumet Theater is, it's not two words, I'm just it's, trying to pronounce it different both times. I looked it up. See, every time I'm like, I'm so stupid, I don't know how to say this, and then I say it right, like, the first time, mm-hmm. pretty much every single time, except <laughs> for all spices. <laughs> Normal words cannot pronounce. Random weird names. Somehow I'm pretty good at it. So the Calumet Theater is listed as a National Historic Landmark since 1971. And it is a heritage site for... um, Copper mining? Kiwinau National Historical Park since 1993. Is that still the same? K-E-W-E-E-N-A-W. K oh, 
I don't want to say it wrong. Kawina? Kiwina? Kawina? 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 That's, that would be my guess, but also maybe they wrote it wrong in English. Yeah, I don't... Well, I spelled it out, and I tried to pronounce it different ways, so I think we're okay. Um, since 1993, and is the only site that still serves its original function. Cool. Which, that's kind of cool. I like that. So, now we are on to the hauntings with a little bit of razzle-dazzle in the middle. So, the Calumet Theater has been on Most Terrifying Places on Travel Channel. I tried to find the episode to watch it today, but it said I needed premium accounts on everything that's on. So, I said, mm, <laughs> okay. Oh, no. <laughs> if, you, if you could sponsor me, then I will watch it. Wait, on what? Travel um, Channel. Travel Channel. Not Ghost Adventures. Oh, just Travel Channel. <laughs> Most terrifying places. The things that they always have on around Halloween. I haven't had cable in a while. To watch I Travel know this Channel. is going to pick up on these microphones because they're so much better. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, if you hear jingling and scratching in the background, it's Finley playing fetch in the hallway. <laughs> I think they don't know more about our pets than they do about us. I know. We're very bad about... Well, like, well no, because we made that little profile on Instagram. Well, yeah, but we also, like known each other but forever, also not so everybody we don't need to talk to each our life history with each other because <laughs> yeah. we know we had wait I... what do you do for a living <laughs> let's catch up i haven't seen you in 10 years um <laughs> that'd be very upsetting <laughs> <laughs> okay so um most terrifying places travel channel okay i already said that mm-hmm. so people have heard i'm just gonna get right into like the ghost story. The ghosty bit. Do it. So people have heard ghosty <laughs> the ghosty bits. I need to put that on my notes so I remember that for. You like the ghosty bits? Yeah, for now. Okay. People have heard music coming from the ballroom when there is no one around to be playing music, which I always love that. That's like one of my favorite ghost things. Um, people have also heard humming mm-hmm. tunes, Ooh. like someone humming, which that's a little. I- that's like nice because I was like, they're I never still like humming. happy as a ghost. Yeah. I, would I want to hear it? Myself? What were you raising your hand for? <laughs> the title. The, the title. Puny bodies and ghosty bodies. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Let me write that down. Why did my phone autocorrect to puny bodies? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um Guests have reported seeing shadow figures, especially on the balconies, because I didn't, like, put a description of what the inside of it looks like, because most people know what a theater looks like, mm-hmm. but in one is of it, the it's things, it's, like, the standard it layout is of like a theater? Two, yeah, it seems to be. I didn't look at pictures. I only saw pictures of outside. But it said there were, like, two different balconies, and I don't know if that meant, like, two layers or, like, two separated ones, and there's, like, open in the middle. I don't really know. The fox has two balcony layers. Yeah, I know. But I, that's why I'm saying I don't know if it's two layers or, like, two separate sides. I see, yeah. But anyway, so people have seen shadow figures, like, in, like, standing up there. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's, like, they turn around on tours or what, but they have also said that they walk into cold spots that weren't there before. And that normally happens when, like, a janitor is, like, walking through and they, like, go one way and then turn around and go get something and it's cold they, when they had they just walked through it. Help? I don't know. <laughs> um, so janitorial staff have also said that door handles have been locked, which were unlocked before, which I always hate that because it's like, what if they just want to lock you in, in a room? That upset me so That's much. like, no, that's so, I hate that. I'm going insane. <laughs> um, and they've heard people trying to get in 
only to find no no one on the other side when they open the door. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. So that's terrible. Um, So it is rumored that some of the ghosts are people who were killed in the Italian Hall disaster of 1913. What's that? So this is my twofer story because I found this. Because they talk about it in most terrifying places. Mm -hmm. But I didn't... And I only saw that in, like, two news articles that were like, yeah, we got interviewed about, you know, these two events, blah, blah, blah. Okay. It is. It's two two layers of balcony. Double layer balcony. Um, So, the theater was used as a makeshift morgue for the bodies of the massacre. (gasps) It was a massacre? A little background. So, one of the longest mining strikes in the copper country took place in 1913 they were asking for a conference with employers to adjust wages hours and working conditions in the copper district of michigan they said they would go on strike if the employers refused to meet and that is exactly what happened so the strike was called on july 23rd 1913 and did not end until april of 1914 Mm -hmm. so <clears throat> there was a lot of like background about who these people were that made the strikes and who blah. blah. It's just like the associations and like mm-hmm. basically like what's it called now? The people that unions, unions. Basically, yeah. It was just a <laughs> bunch of different like union stuff. So I was like, yeah. I don't want all that in there because I honestly get too confused about that. So it's like different unions that decided to go on strike. Mm-hmm. Basically. Or, like, they all had gotten together to be one unit. I don't... Whatever. It's not I assume it's, it's um, multiple minds yeah. worth of people, and they all have their own little, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Group. I don't know very well. That's my, that's my random guess. Yeah. So, on Christmas Eve, many of the striking miners and their families had gathered for a holiday party. The party was held on the second floor of Calumet's Italian Hall... Um, and a steep staircase was the only way to, the, to and, like, from the second floor. Mm-hmm. Although there was also a poorly marked fire escape on one side of the building and ladders back the, uh, down the back side of the building, mm-hmm. which could be reached only by climbing through the windows, so it wasn't, like, a it's great so option. so practical. <laughs> but it's also 1913, so at least it had a fire escape. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the incident began... When there were over 400 people in the room and someone yelled, fire. Is that why it's illegal now? Fire! That's better. But no, that's, <laughs> that's fully off at the bars. But it's okay. <laughs> so, um, although there was none, there was never a fire. So, people started to panic and rush for the stairs because they think there's, like, a big fire breaking mm-hmm. out in this room. Um, and this turned into a stampede. And in the end, 73 people, including 59 children, were killed. So, to date, there has been a lot of debate as to who yelled fire and why. Yeah. Um, It is thought by some historians and the singer-songwriter Woody Guthrie that fire was yelled out by an anti-union ally of mine management to disrupt the party. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know why they included Woody Guthrie in there. I'm assuming he might have written a song, which that marks like five yes, a song things that I've covered. 1913 Massacre. Is it? That's the name of that the song. That is so funny. 
So that's like, what, three or four episodes now that I have had songs? Yeah, that's ridiculous. No, because I had, I had that you one had about one the children. Too. Yeah. So People now it's like, songs. that's probably like four or five now. Anyway. <clears throat> I want to know the lyrics. <laughs> he probably has like a good uh, telling of it. So there were many investigations into the disaster and in the coroner's inquest, witnesses who did not speak English were forced to answer questions in English. Yeah, there's a reason it's called the Italian Hall. And most witnesses were not allowed follow-up questions. Um, but Weird. after three days, the coroner issues a ruling that did not give a cause of death. So that whole thing's very strange to mm-hmm. me. In early 1914, a subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives came to the town to investigate the strike and took sworn testimony from witnesses for a full day on March 7th, 1914. Twenty witnesses testified under oath and were offered interpreters. Um, Eight witnesses swore that the man who yelled fire was wearing a button... um, A button-up coat for Citizens Alliance... Um, which was an organization who opposed trade unions and strikes. Mm. So, the common story about the tragedy is that the doors at the bottom of the Italian Hall stairs opened inward, and when all the people, like, stampeded towards the doors, and they reached the bottom of the stairs, they pressed up against the doors, preventing them from opening and Mm -hmm. causing many people to be crushed. Mm -hmm. However, all pictures of the doors suggest that the doors opened outward. Weird. So now, listen, according to the um, 1913 massacre, all the anti-union men are standing outside, so maybe they were just holding them close. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like that kept coming up, like the way that the doors open kept coming up. And then whenever I looked at the... Well, I, I guess I'll just get there. I'll get there. So after the tragedy, a relief committee made up of Alliance members collected $25,000 for the aid of the families affected by the disaster Um, But the families would not accept the committee's money, and the committee learned that Charles Moyer, the president of the WFM, the Western Federation of Miners, Mm -hmm. um, which was a big part of the whole strike thing, had promised them aid and forbid the families from taking any money. And when the committee members learned this, they decided to visit Mr. Moyer at Mm -hmm. his hotel nearby And they shot and kidnapped him (gasps) and then placed him on a train with instructions to leave Michigan and never return. I was literally, I was doing this story. I was like, what in the world is going on? This is twist and turns. Listen, but like the the mining union issues are all crazy. Like you could do a whole podcast just on those. I don't mean an episode. I mean an entire podcast. I bet. I bet. (laughs) So, after getting medical attention in Chicago, Moyer held a press conference where he displayed his gunshot wound and promised to return to Michigan and continue to work for the WFM. So, he has no fears. Um, The Italian Hall was demolished in October 1984, and only the archway remains, and it's also, like, a a state historical marker. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was erected in... 1987 so i don't know if they put it like with the arch or what but whenever you like look this up the archway comes up so i don't really know no clue um but anyway so with that archway they say on like the historical marker it incorrectly says that the doors opened 
inward. Mm-hmm. But they said that that was incorrect. So I don't know if they've like figured out what happened or like if you like you said the people were holding the door shut because it makes sense there's a lot of feuding going on so like that people would be so i'm not really sure exactly how or what happened with the doors but the story is just not very clear because it happened a long time ago and it's uh, obviously rather crazy and it's purposely not recorded clear yes so um now i saved my favorite haunting story from this place for last Um, Executive director of the theater, Laura Miller, which I don't know if she still is, but this is an article that was, uh, she was whenever the article was written. Yeah. Said, we developed our haunted reputation in 1958 when actress Adise Lane, it's A-D-D-Y-S-E. Sure. Adise? I don't know. Performing as Kate in Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew forgot Mm -hmm. her lines and she was looking around and she happened to look into one of the balconies and she saw madame mojeska one of the famous people that performed there i mentioned before mouthing her lines to her and this woman was dead by this time so since 1958 they there have been several different people that have claimed to see the spirit of madame mojeska i can't say her name at all mojeska Anyway, that was my favorite um, haunting story, and that's why I wanted to keep it in. So that's why I was happy I could find something else, because otherwise it would be way too short. But I just thought that was really funny that she knew her lines. I think Mm -hmm. that's really cute. She's dead. What else Um, is she going to do other than learn all the actresses' lines? That's true. (laughs) What was... I was just going to look something up about the story, but I forgot already. I have no idea. Um, so I guess that's the end of my story. I was going to say something and I can't remember what anymore. It's going to kill me. (sighs) Alright, well, try not to kill anyone and don't mess with Ouija boards. Bye. Bye. So I remembered what I was going to say. Last night was when I was doing the research for this. So it was January 15th, 2022. So, I was doing my research for this, and I got to the website for the Calumet Theater, and on their main front page, it goes, Calumet Theater presents Grand Reopening Event, Free Entry, Saturday, January 15th, 2022. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I think this has just got to be a sign that I should be doing this if this comes up right when I'm doing the research for this. Yeah. So... That was all I had to say, but I just thought it was a funny coincidence. That is funny. Um, okay, goodbye. <laughs>